It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the podcast formerly known as Access Atlanta from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your host, Shane Harrison. You may have noticed the name on our logo has changed a bit. That's just a placeholder because we're currently developing a brand new show that will have a new name and a new sound. Stay tuned in the coming weeks for more on the new podcast format. In the meantime, we'll be revisiting some of our favorite interviews from our first four years. As we do that, we'll continue our mission to get you ready for the weekend with a roundup of some of the fun, entertaining, and educational things to do in and around Atlanta in the coming days. Let's get started with a couple of those events. Now that live music is back, with it comes a string of cheap trick concerts. It's something the Veteran Act has been doing on a consistent annual basis ever since forming in Rockford, Illinois in 1973. The year and a half in which touring came to a standstill didn't mean founding member Rick Nielsen sat back twiddling his thumbs. An ever-restless sort, Nielsen found plenty to do in trying to avoid being idle. One of those things is In Another World, Cheap Trick's 20th studio outing. While its official release date was April 2021, a couple of singles were leaked out dating back to 2018, including the opening cut, The Summer Looks Good on You, a gem chock full of layered harmonies and irresistible guitar riffs that stoke images of the beach, warm weather, and carefree vibes. And next week, Cheap Trick will be bringing that and all the fan favorites to Ameris Bank Amphitheater on August 31st, opening for Rod Stewart. Read our interview with Nielsen in this week's Go Guide in the Friday, August 26th Atlanta Journal-Constitution and online at AJC.com. It's football season, and that means it's time to put on your team jersey, gather with friends, and cheer. For some, it's going to be a designated viewing bar where fans meet to support their team of choice, whether it be their school, hometown, or just a random team for no real reason. And for others, they just want a great bar to enjoy a game and have a beer. We'll take a look at where to go cheer on your favorite team with a look at sports bars that cater to specific teams in a story you'll find online at AJC.com. Stay tuned for more events later in the podcast, and after the featured conversation, we'll take a look at what the AJC is bringing you this week, both online and in print. But first, we'll hear from some of the guys from the Atlanta musical phenomenon Yacht Rock Review. It all started with a theme night back in 2007, when some local musicians turned a compilation of soft rock hits into a set list at 10 high in the basement of the Dark Horse Tavern. But nobody on stage had any idea this was the genesis of what would become Yacht Rock Review, 
and that 14 years later, seven of the musicians from that 10 high gig would play many of those same songs in front of 6,000 cheering fans at Cadence Bank Amphitheater at Chastain Park. And they're playing there again this weekend on August 26th and 27th. Rodney Ho has written extensively about the band, and he spoke with some of the band members about their unexpected career in late 2021. And keep in mind that the interview we're about to hear is from last year, so any dates and events that may come up are in the past. Welcome, Rodney. Hey, Shane. I, I actually spoke with three of them. Oh, you spoke with three of them. <laughs> yeah, okay. Nick, wow. Nick, is the, Nick is the lead singer. Yeah. Um, Mark Cobb is the drummer who was part of his original band as well. And uh, Monkey Boy, who is another Mark, Mark Donnells, but he goes right. by Monkey Boy. Uh, yeah. he's, a guitar, he's a lead guitarist. So okay. they're three very entertaining dudes. Um, yeah. It was uh, fascinating. It's funny. I I was the first guy to ever write about them back in 2009. I, I was, you know, writing Peach Buzz items and I was at the uh, Dunwoody Beer Festival in the parking lot of Perimeter Mall for some other reason. And I heard them and I, I went up to stage and they were dressed up in these uh, yacht, you know, these yacht uniforms and they were <laughs> playing like Little Genie by Elton John and Silly Love Songs by The Wings. And I was captivated because I'm really cheesy that way. And I decided to write a piece about them back in 2009, not thinking it would be anything that would be more than like this one or two year, you know, it was a joke. It seemed like a joke in a sense. Right. I mean, right. And, yeah, and well, I mean, with it. yeah, most people who, you know, well, they 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 used to be a band band and then they did. Three of them part. were part of Y.O.U., which was actually right. a pretty popular local band in the mid 2000s. They never got a big break. They didn't get that contract. And at that point in 2007, when this Yacht Rock night came along, they were ready to just hang up. Yeah, they're ready to give it up. I mean, they were done. One of them, you know, Nick, the lead singer was already like taking classes at law school, you know, yeah. and one of them was, you know, just, you know, working at a assisted living place and was thinking of moving out of town. So it was just one of those situations where, you know, you hit 30 and you're like, or 35 and you're like, I've been doing this music thing for so long, <laughs> you know, yeah. maybe I should actually get a real job. <laughs> right. Know? And nobody expects to become a cover band and make a career of it. Oh, yeah. Believe me, it's there's, you know, there's definitely a stigma attached to being, look, there's wedding bands and then there's cover bands. It's like they're, they're not considered like real bands to people necessarily. Right. But, um, yeah, these are all great musicians. Um, they were all, like I said, a little bit older. They had a little perspective. And once they started getting some success uh, with Yacht Rock Review, they decided to just run with it. And, you know, he's he's often not like acknowledged within the band but Peter Olson I think is the guy who started the company Please Rock and they you know they created like a side um, band called Yacht Rock Schooner you might hear around town in Atlanta and they're kind of like the ones since Yacht Rock Review is too popular to do the smaller bars around town uh, Yacht Rock Schooner does that for them so it's like and if they need a, a fill-in or, or a band member to fill in for the main band they've got already a, a group of people at Yacht Rock Schooner who could fill in the blanks for them. And they, you know, they have a Beatles cover band. They've, they've got other bands on their roster and they own Venkman's in Old Fourth Ward. So they're a wow. business too. Yeah. They've, they've got employees, they've got 401k and salaries. It's, you know, and Peter Olson, I think is the business guy and he's helped build this into a real thing, which I find yeah. fascinating. That's yeah. great. I mean, in the music business where, you know, nothing is, is for certain and uh, you often don't know where your next paycheck's coming from, there's something to be said for creating a business like this. Oh, that, uh, yeah. I mean, and being salaried as a musician in this situation, that's great, right? I mean, you get paid very well, too. And you get adoring fans. You get to play with 
other, yeah, and, and they're well-respected musicians, you know, and a lot of these yacht rock groups, you know, like Robbie Dupree and Ambrosia, who are going to be performing with them in Jamaica in February, th- th- their careers have been helped by right. Yacht Rock Review's popularity, which is, right. again, bizarre to think a cover band could help the actual artists, but that yeah. happened. <laughs> well, it just goes to show that uh, nostalgia is big business. It can be if you do it well. And I think that's yeah. what, you know, there are a lot of copycat bands out there. I love some of the names of them. Um, Yachtly Crew is my favorite name out of Los Angeles. Um, <laughs> but there's a bunch of them, you know, Holland Boats. You know, there, there are a bunch of silly names and in, in groups out there. But I, I think Yacht Rock Review were the first ones really out there and that they're probably the best ones, too. You know, it's. Yeah. All right. Well, that's great. And and uh, we should also mention that Rodney has written a story uh, about the band, which you can read online at accessatlanta.com or ajc.com uh, and it's also uh, in the Sunday paper in the living and arts section um, so check it out there and uh, thanks so much for bringing us this conversation Rodney oh it was a lot of fun to report and uh, hope people enjoy it all right well let's hear from the guys in yacht rock review Hey, this is Rodney Poe with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I am here with three members of Yacht Rock Review. And um, I recently did a big Sunday piece on these guys. And uh, it was fascinating because I've actually heard of and known them for a good bulk of their time. I Back in 2009, I was at a beer festival in Dunwoody and saw them on stage and instantly became wrapped and wrote a short piece about them and was even more fascinated over the years as I watched their uh, career progress, uh, that Yacht Rock Review was not just a two or three year uh, in and out type of thing, but kept on getting bigger and bigger. Uh, so I wanted to talk to them about how this all happened. Uh, my my sense is that none of them expected this to happen either. So uh, it's always fun to explore a phenomenon that nobody ever expected. So uh, Nick, uh, you're kind of the captain of the ship, right? <laughs> or the yacht, in a way. Uh, yes, in the sense that we have a rudder, and not to call us rudderless, but maybe we're rudderless. I don't know. <laughs> well, or you guys, yeah, uh, two of you guys. I have I have Mark Cobb and uh, Monkey Boy and and Nick uh, on on here on the podcast, and uh, two of you guys were actually part of a band that, if folks are familiar with the local music scene, uh, YOU were were uh, you know they had a a thing going back in the 2000s. Uh, tell me a little bit about YOU and how that kind of segued into this. Yeah, we started YOU in Bloomington, uh, Indiana, where we all went to school, me and Peter and Cobb, and we moved to Atlanta and wanted to like make it in the music business. And uh, I'd like to think we got pretty close, but never we never really got like uh, any offers for a record deal. Like I had friends, bands, you know, like the Wigs got a awesome record deal with ATO and our friends in second shift got flown up to New York and did a big showcase for Columbia. And we're really close to getting signed, but I don't, I don't feel like we ever got close to getting signed. It uh, never got the big break, but people liked you around here. I mean, you definitely had a following here in Atlanta, right? I mean, there's no doubt. <laughs> you guys- yeah. I mean, it felt like there was a time when us getting signed was inevitable. Like everyone in the music scene just assumed that we were the next band that was going to get signed and it was all going to happen for us, but then it just never did. Uh, which is one of the biggest disappointments in my life. I'm not going to lie. 
Didn't you guys get like voted like top 10 bands of MySpace and Rolling Stone or something? There was we totally some- did, yes. <laughs> MySpace. We out yeah. of MySpace. So there you go. Take that. <laughs> um, well, by, two, by the time 2007 rolled around, uh, Nick, you, you actually entered law school, right? You were like, I'm, I'm in my, I'm about, I just hit 30. I guess I got to have a, a real career. <laughs> Yeah, I tried law school right when we were starting Yacht Rock, and it uh, became very clear that those two things were not going to be compatible. The trajectory that Yacht Rock was taking very early on made it obvious. So I only racked up a a manageable size of debt uh, in my (laughs) aborted law school attempt. (laughs) Well, back in the fall of 2007, uh, this place called Ten High in Virginia Highlands, they 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 were uh, seeking some, uh, you know, I, I guess you guys had a connection, right, with, with the folks at Ten High at that moment? Yeah, Curtis told us we could do whatever we want every Thursday. Curtis Clark, who still runs Meddlesome down there, uh, he's turned out Live band karaoke. If you yeah. want to do live band karaoke, it's still there, uh, like five nights a week or something at this point. Yeah, yeah, but he, he was like, he couldn't find a good thing for Thursday, and he was like, Oh, those YOU guys are creative. We'll just let them do whatever they want, and so yeah, we did. did whatever we wanted. <laughs> yeah, you did these rock fights, which were pretty popular too, right? You, you had two bands that yeah, you would like play music from two different bands for the entire night, right? We did, yeah. What were uh, what was your favorite rock fight, Mark Cobb? What what Mark what what rock fight was yours? Uh, that's tough because I think they all were designed as a way for us to get our get our collective rocks off it was like you know we can't dedicate enough of our bandwidth to doing a a zeppelin a full-time zeppelin tribute but let's pick our 10 favorite songs and also incorporate like the who Uh, and i think a lot of that was how like our beatles tribute was born and a lot of the things that we were able to do over the years outside of just yacht rock even special tributes like doing Michael Jackson's Thriller or Princess Purple Rain came out of us like, hey, learn these 10 songs if you don't already know them. Show up, we'll sound check, maybe have a rehearsal. But it wasn't like, I mean, we rehearsed more as our original band than we ever did for these tributes. And I felt like there was a lot of of creative juices flowing musically just because we were all so excited to do something where we didn't have to put our own, you know, original spin on things. It was like, people are just going to come to see the, you know, the, the, the the either the band that they love or us attempt to play these songs my favorite i don't know um so well, you did I, one I with really like hall and oats versus uh who, who did you you did in excess or something some you know comments. honestly uh, i have a special place in my heart for melon camp growing up in indiana and just being exposed to not only him but like you know i recorded my first record in a recording studio with this funk band in college called flattis we recorded at Larry Crane's studio in Bloomington. There were just there was so much of a reminder of Mellencamp's presence growing up. So doing honestly, it was like the first time I had played, you know, Mellencamp songs, and it was like we had a fiddle player. I mean, we we went all out. Like we really got to. You, dig you did your pink houses stuff. and your Jack and Diane's. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> For those out there who are not Hoosiers, Larry Crane is uh, one of Mellencamp's guitar players. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, Yacht Rock was just one of your theme nights, right? I mean, that's it, it not, was just no, kind that's of not common knowledge. Larry Crane. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll just keep talking about Larry Crane. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I want to pivot back to Larry Crane here. 
<laughs> a little, a little context it. on this like I, I feel like in 2007 the whole like tribute band mania that has happened over the last 15 years like was not yet a thing you know there were mm -hmm. probably there were like some journey tribute bands and there were some led zeppelin tribute bands but this whole like i feel like since we did this and we were a part of it and maybe both a symptom and a cause but i i feel like all of a sudden now you know it used to be you would see a tribute band on maybe some small clubs websites you know on a random saturday but now it's pervasive across venues of all different sizes and that was not yet a thing when we started yeah, you know weirdly uh slippery when wet are going to be featured on a show called clash of the cover bands on e-network so they've actually turned it into a tv show <laughs> i've seen that yeah i think part yeah, of that i tried to watch some of that too um i don't know it's hard not to be jaded <laughs> when you're watching that stuff uh part of that rise in the whole cover band tribute band phenomenon i think it really has to do with bands stopped getting signed out of atlanta there was a period in the early 2000s where a ton of bands out of atlanta were getting signed and then it just kind of stopped the industry changed and i think a lot of people turned 35 and realized <laughs> You something to keep making money if we want to stay in this business. Yeah, we've got a few good ones in this town. Rumors does really well, right? And I think Electric Avenue, the the '80s cover band, they're all over the place. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's all happened, you know, in the last ten ten ish years. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, you guys in the early, I guess the you you guys ended up with a residency at Ten High for that you did for four years doing yacht rock music, right? Which I guess for folks who you know, by the time you're listening to this, I presume most people understand what that kind of means, but maybe you could help us define it for folks who may not be fully familiar with what that even entails. You're talking about Yacht Rock as a job. Yeah, please, yeah, please define it. Yeah. And some people think you guys started it, but it actually was started by some guys out in the West Coast who did a web series and that, you know, and, and they're still around, you know. Well, even, even that is even that is debatable. <laughs> <laughs> the origin story is murky yeah okay. yeah i mean come on i think one of the um, best definitions of yacht rock that is so if you go into these yacht rock forums the best definition is everything is yacht rock and nothing is yacht rock because it's just there's just so much argument about the minutia of what it's best. so it's like you know at this point we define yacht rock how we want to define it for our situation anyone else can say but if it yeah, you know, I guess they define it with the word smooth. It's got yeah. a little jazzy flavors to it at times. It's got a casual, but yet complicated feel at the same time. And I, I don't know. <laughs> I think some of the definitions that the Yacht Rock, you know, collective, the, 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 the writers, comedians, you know, these, these guys that lit, still all live in Los Angeles that were friends from, you know, Michigan growing up. They, I think they have a really good algorithm in place that I would agree with, but it doesn't take into account an audience. Right, you know what right. I mean? Like, mm -hmm. that's the difference is if it's not entertaining to people who want to pay money to go see a live show, then who cares if it's point whatever on their scale that they've invented? Sure. You know, so and you, I, yeah, you the can... definition I largely agree with, the outcome and the results are, are, our decision you know so sure. yeah i could i could i could high five them all day about whether brandy qualifies as yacht rock or not it doesn't on this on their definition but, but as far but as it's a core song for you guys to hear it then you know we yeah, have you guys to call play it yacht that rock. yeah you guys play that almost every set right that's one of your Absolutely. four or five songs you feel like almost like baker street um there's a there's a few of them that you guys almost have to play right 
it's africa yeah i mean so the the definition of yacht rock is uh you know soft rock music that was made primarily in los angeles between the years of 1976 and 1984 you know usually by a group of session musicians and there are songs that everyone can agree are definitely yacht rock like what a fool believes by the doobie brothers or africa by toto like you and know the word fool is a big part of it like they consider even lyrics lyrics as something that are yacht rock and it has to be a specific consideration so you know that's that's where just because it's sailing doesn't mean it's yacht rock if they say the word <laughs> sailing that even though you would think i'm on a yacht right they don't I, even allow yeah, does that songs make... about sailing to get a hall pass yeah i guess uh sail on by the commodores does that count because it has no the word way. sailing in it no no okay. way wow uh, but but sailing or by Christopher Cross. Come sail away. Absolutely not. And yeah, wow. some of those other um, we I won't name them because it gives them too much power. But uh, <laughs> some of the other so-called yacht rock tribute bands out there, you know, will like make that come sail away a defining song. And I'm sure that that garners a lot of eye rolls from the from the OG yacht rock guys. Yeah, but by, by the way, my favorite, even though you're not going to mention it, my favorite pun is is yachtly crew. That that one I particularly like because it has kind of a double pun to it but there's a bunch of them you're right <laughs> there are yeah it's cool they're all things that you could write on the inside of a bathroom stall you know <laughs> paul and boats. those guys got their I names <laughs> I, I even saw an all-female one which i you know with a female lead singers which is kind of fun so uh, mm -hmm. they, they do they do float around uh literally um but you guys uh which is kind of funny is you guys you know started getting bigger and bigger uh, you were getting, you know, I guess, weddings and people were just asking for you guys. And and then the sixth men folks who do the cruises, they, they, they put you guys on some of those cruises, right, with train and and, uh, you know, I, I think they did one with Sister Hazel, right? Their, their cruise. All Sister of Hazel. the Kid Rock, um, the Jillian Michaels Fitness Cruise. I mean, you know, that, <laughs> that, was, band, that you know. was a disaster. Zach Brown Band, Kiss. I mean, we, we went all over the place. Yeah. yeah. It, it, does it seem, did it seem weird to do this on an actual boat or it felt right? Once I got over being seasick, it felt right. <laughs> I don't think there is a more right, quote unquote, band for a large cruise ship. You know, I mean, as soon as I walk on there and you see that the actual captains of these boats, the people that work are still wearing the nautical clothing and then like, Nick and Pete show up singing lead vocals and they, you know, could easily get exchanged, uh, you know, I guess if they walked up to the front of the boat, maybe they'd be allowed to drive it. Is that where they drive yeah. the boat in the front? I don't even know. I'm what like at, at ease for or aft. I'm not sure which is which. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's very, it's, it screams nautical. So I, you know, when we're playing the Lido deck and we're doing the Lido shuffle, is there any more, irony there that you know we're out on the love boat setting you know doing love boat era music i think we've played love boat in the the full-on regalia right no you've actually oh, yeah. sang the theme from love boat you're saying literally yeah yeah <laughs> oh yeah monkey boy who wrote that it's jack uh jack he wrote it but he that's the singer jack johnson that's johnson sure it's johnson come aboard Wait, yeah, is, isn't there an act named Jack Johnson? Is that wait? I'm confused. Uh, yeah, he did a cover of a uh, Escape Pina Colada song, right? <laughs> oh man, the yeah, surfy Hawaiian Jack Johnson definitely did. Uh, 
uh, a pina colada cover that is difficult for me to swallow. The, uh, so, so did Sugar Ray. They did, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the fashion a little bit. Uh, I'm switching <laughs> topics quickly since we brought up Sugar Ray. Get it back to Larry Crane. <laughs> no, let's talk Sugar Ray the whole time. Uh, well, the fashion issue is like, you know, I guess the captain's hat has now become a defining visual element in the audience. But you guys, while I saw you guys in 2009 wearing the captain's hats, I heard you guys kind of dump that regalia rather quickly. Why, why so? Well, we realized, I think, an important part of people going to see music is you want to be like transported away to a different world and the captain's hat kind of makes you feel like the shtick is obvious whereas when we just wear cool looking clothes from the 70s we actually look cool and uh some might even go so far to say as sexy uh then you can really get into it and not like be elbowing each other oh are you in on this joke you're watching it and you're actually just in the 70s having an awesome time yeah i guess wide lapels um you show off a little chest hair it's very tight right all, all the clothing is extremely tapered and tight right it's not yeah got it you know you gotta you gotta get that personal trainer working you know yeah. well, everybody was cocaine thin in the 70s and 80s right exactly and 20s yeah, Nick, you're 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 pretty naturally skinny, yeah. Nick. So it's uh, it seems like you 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 fit in very well. Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. And how how about the choreography? Tell me a little bit about yeah. You and Peter often do a little a little bit of a shuffle of. Is that the the doobie bounce? Step. It's a sidestep. Yeah. Sidestep. Yeah. We we originated that. Well, I mean, you know, where originally I learned it was. Um, Mark Cobb and I met in the Indiana University Soul Review, which is a, a soul band that played all, you know, soul music from like 50s, Isley Brothers and James Brown, all the way through Prince and D'Angelo. And um, in that band, you know, when you weren't singing backup, you were you were part of the backup singers and the backup singers always kind of did the left and right um, sidestep thing. And then we started doing Yacht Rock and it reminded me of like my mom when she was in the kitchen listening to music, some of which was this kind of stuff like Hall and Oates and Prince. She both like both of those. And she would kind of do this little sidestep thing. And so when we were doing the show, it just felt kind of natural. Um, and it became its own like thing out of that. You know, the audience started doing it. And I think what really connects with people is it's this really simple dance to do and everyone can participate in it, you know, like we're up there doing that and you feel like, oh, yeah, I can do that. Even if you can't dance a lick, you know, yeah, like the hokey pokey, you know, it's real highbrow <laughs> kind of stuff. This is Access Atlanta. I'm your host, Shane Harrison. We'll continue with more of our conversation with Yacht Rock Review. But first, here's more of our list of things to do and see. In 2000, DragonCon founder Pat Henry spied a small Salvation Army parade in downtown Atlanta and thought, we could do that. So the next year, he invited some Star Wars and Star Trek groups, Netherworld Haunted House characters, and the Rocky Horror Picture Show acting troupe Lips Down on Dixie to march from Centennial Olympic Park to the Marriott Marquis on Saturday morning of Dragon Con. About a hundred people showed up to the seemingly makeshift parade. The Star Trek crew good-naturedly threw Beanie Babies at the Star Wars group, yelling Ewok attack. Drag queens did the time warp. The parade, over four blocks, lasted all of 20 minutes. Spectators were largely incidental. 
but many of those who took part loved it, and each year the parade has grown in size, length, and scope, evolving into a distinctly Atlanta institution. This year's parade will be the first since 2019 with no COVID-19 restrictions. The parade didn't happen in 2020, and last year's version only allowed DragonCon ticket holders to watch in person. Attendees this year will see 57 different groups covering everything from dragons to Vikings. All 3,250 individual spots were quickly filled up in February. There are also slots for 50 floats and vehicles. Find out more about the parade and what you'll see this year in Go Guide in the Friday, August 26th edition of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution or read it online at AJC.com. Now it's time for this week's adoptable pet from the folks at Lifeline, who run the Fulton and DeKalb shelters along with the Lifeline Community Animal Center. This week we're featuring Melon from the Fulton County Shelter. There's nothing better than the grass under your paws and the sun on your fur. Sweet Melon appreciates the simple things in life. Melon is all about fun and playtime. She's still learning her basic cues and you'll have loads of fun teaching her the rest. Meet Melon and all of her friends at Fulton County Animal Services at 860 Marietta Boulevard in Atlanta. You'll find a photo of Melon and a direct link for more info on the story page for this podcast on AJC.com. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is Access Atlanta from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The facts matter now more than ever. Get unlimited digital access to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution so you know what's really going on. And you're helping us fulfill our mission to bring you the news that's important to you. Subscribe today at subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast and your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast to join the community for just 99 cents. Let's continue our conversation with Yacht Rock Review. Well, in 2019, you guys released uh, an original album and it includes a song called Step, right? <laughs> Literally, that, and you play it in concert. What a coincidence. It does. Yeah, Greg brought that idea to me one day over at, at my studio. And I remember him, he was he was thinking about something more like uh, uh, kind of highbrow with like stepping up in difficult situations or whatever, which is what the song is about. But then it just so happens to go along with our signature dance. It worked out nicely in that way. Didn't you have a song called Sidestep, like one of the original, when we did the first EP, like you were talking about stepping around, you know, like if there's a problem, you want to sidestep around it. Didn't you have something like that? And that, that sounds like something I would do, but I don't remember. You had something called The Sides, and maybe that was a origin of that particular we used to, We used to do the song Stepping Out by Joe Jackson, which mm-hmm. again, I would consider, you know, probably working in that yacht rock vein, but I would say is considered not. Yeah, yeah, you, I mean, you guys, your your set list includes maybe half the songs that probably fit in that pure definition. But you guys go go off uh, off on tangents and 
I don't care. I think it's fun. I mean, you, you play Bee Gees, uh, you know, you bring in your two backup female singers to sing Tina Turner and Denise Williams. Denise Williams is really off the mark, but it still works in concert. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the key. Like when, when people get there, they aren't ready to grade what is Yacht Rock and what isn't. They're ready to have a good time all the time. Would you say oh. the Boston song is probably our least Yachty song? That's probably so more feeling that we play consistently. It probably is. Yeah. But man, it works. I mean, you, I, I was at, you know, you guys also own Bankman's in Oak Fourth Ward. And um, I think that was your last song. You guys uh, closed out your set right before Thanksgiving with more than a feeling. And I, I don't think anybody really had any bad feelings about it that I could tell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When the, when the claps come on the chorus, it's hard not to want to participate in that for sure. Um, like the hokey pokey. <laughs> exactly. And it's interesting, you guys do, uh, even though you're the lead singer, Nick, you, you do uh, provide, uh, you know, most everybody else gets to throw in their uh, their lead singing chops as well, right? It's, uh, is it just simply to provide the best voice for the best song? Yeah, I mean, I think it's all about keeping, keeping it interesting. You know, you, when you go see a band and one guy sings, that's cool. But when everybody has a moment and some really strong point that they can bring, it's kind of like, a basketball team that has, you know, one guy that can score from anywhere, but maybe there's one guy who's really good at shooting threes and another guy who's just money in the paint and another guy who's got like a sick, uh, sick low post game. Like there, like there's, there are different ways to score. And I think that's kind of what our, that's what our fans are all about. They love to score. I think <laughs> that we've been in, we've all kind of, I think we've all fronted a band in some way or another. So I kind of define us as, a band full of front men that play nothing but encores. That's kind of what our show is. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's true. That's true. And, but it's funny. I spoke with Dave Freeman, your, uh, your sax guy. And really no, I know I've spoken to Dave Freeman. <laughs> but, but it's funny. He says he's happy. He was very happy when you guys added the two female backup singers. Cause that took a, that. You know, he doesn't think he's a good singer and he's happy not to sing. If he doesn't have to, <laughs> he's perfectly happy. Just blowing his sax when he needs to. <laughs> He's improved a lot at singing over the years and at keyboard too. When we first, when he first took over keyboard duties, you know, he had gotten far enough in Indiana to, to get through like the piano proficiency, but he was not an onstage keyboard player. And the first couple of gigs with him on keys were pretty rough. And then he, uh, I mean, he's become an awesome onstage keyboard player. You know, he plays more keyboards than sax now. And he's improved a lot on vocals too. He's, Dave shouldn't sell himself short. <laughs> well, no. And I mean, just, I guess it was a few months ago, we started putting his keyboards into the, into the house mix. So even though he's been playing, <laughs> we can kind of hear it. It hasn't been really ready for consumption yet. Yeah, and so it, it, maybe mark next that's year not his on, vocal yeah. mic will be on. His yeah, vocal mic's not on. Let's not <laughs> hear what he's doing out there. <laughs> Yeah, you're, you're the other mark that's not on this podcast is the one who does the keyboards primarily, right? Cool. Yeah, Mark Bank. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I feel bad. I haven't spoken to him yet. He's the one guy I haven't spoken to. So sorry, Mark. Uh, but he's he's great doing his boss skags. I gotta say that. Um the uh well you guys uh during the pandemic, you guys have toured a lot over the years, but the pandemic, I guess, kind of shut that down. And how did you guys handle the pandemic? um poorly yeah uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> i wish i had some, some gloss no, um i think that you know 
we were out on tour out in California when all this was going down and like we had, you had a new album to promote and everything, right? You had yeah, your- our album had come out like three weeks ago. Things were going awesome and then things started to get weird and then it charted on the Billboard charts. It did. It made the Billboard 100. And then seven baby. And then here we are like two weeks later having to decide, oh, are we going to play in Sacramento tonight? And then it's Gavin Newsom says, you know, no events of more than 250 people. And we're flying home, like not wanting to touch anything on the airplane. Like it was terrifying. And we ended up, uh, you know, I ordered a COVID test at home, which was like $300 at the time. And um, so then we kind of went into our holes for a little while and then, it it became clear, you know, I just needed to do something to deal with all this anxiety because like our business was totally shut down. We didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. You guys, you guys actually have a company called please rock and you guys have employees and you, you have benefits and every 401k for everybody. Right. So this is a real deal. And suddenly like you can't pay people, right? (laughs) Yeah. It's the band, it's the crew, it's the office staff at home, you know? So we were like, man, what are we going to do? So we started doing these, um, live stream shows just like from my studio at home uh and ask people to make venmo donations to help us keep our crew and our our staff just so everybody could still have health care that was the one thing we didn't want to lose during a pandemic right right and um so so we started doing that and it became a thing and then everybody you know greg did his on tuesdays and mark cobb had his wednesday night thing where he would play along with his puppets and whatever, like everybody had their own vibe that they created on their own night of the week. And our fans supported us through the pandemic and we were able to keep everybody having healthcare. My puppets are all still on healthcare. That's how right. well it went. Your, wow. your, puppets have, your puppets have Aflac. They're so well. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I'm getting, I, I looked on eBay earlier today and it looks like I've been outbid, but I might be able to get my hands on an Aflac puppet for the next one. Oh, nice. The um, well, <laughs> some of your fans actually on their very own. I mean, you guys didn't create this; was purely organic. They created their own little fan club, right, called the Anchorheads, and they have their own page and their own merch, and they they you know they're like deadheads, right? They they just tra- they, they'll travel the country, and, and you, I'm presuming you guys have seen them multiple times, right? Some of the members of the Anchorheads. Yeah, it's Absolutely. pretty awesome. Yeah. It's, it's like the kind of fans that you always dreamed of having growing up, right? Like the people who like would do anything to see your band or like that night, you know, that you're talking about the night before Thanksgiving. I talked to a couple of girls who drove all day the day before from Cleveland to come down to see our band for one night. And then they were going to drive home all day on Thanksgiving the next day to get back home to have Thanksgiving dinner with their with their family and friends. I was like, I mean, it was just so powerful to that people love our band that much. I mean, it's so flattering. Oh, that is, that is. Um, and, and you guys, you know, looking forward for 2022, are you, I, what are your plans? I, I know you have this big um, steal away celebration in uh, Jamaica. Is that right? In February with some of your fans? It's kind of, yes. it's like a, it's like a boat trip without the boat, right? Yeah. All inclusive on the beach. Four nights in Jamaica with us in Ambrosia and um, Robbie Dupree. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. Um, we've got that. We've got a summer tour that we're going to announce in January across the country. 
um, or maybe the announcements in February. I can't remember. We're working on that now. Um, but we're getting ready to go back in the studio and record a single and a B-side to release this summer. Um, we're aiming to record a live album over the course of the tour this summer and then hopefully be back in the studio to record a full studio album before 22 is out. So we've, we're filling it up. Stuff busy to do. year. It sounds like a busy year. Um, I, I know, uh, Nick, of all the band members, and it's amazing is that seven of the band members who did the first night of Yacht Rock back in 2007 are still part of the band. What, what do you think has kept you guys together all these years? Um, that everybody is a good person. I mean, that's really what it comes <laughs> down to. You know, being in a band is like being married to a bunch of people, right? And you have to all compromise and get along. You know, being good at your instrument is great, but what makes a band last are, are relationships. And um, we've been pretty lucky in that regard. I seen that we actually had a future. We when it got to a point where like, like this is going somewhere. Um, and that you're making, you know, at least we're making a fairly decent living when we started. We were making enough to make it, you know, so you can, okay, I'm going to schedule this over anything else I was doing at the time. So I think that's very important, you know, because the older you get, you have to prioritize with things like that. Yeah, that's and, a good point. You know, before we go, it's funny that Nick, you were the one who was probably most ambivalent about this from the get go. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I quoted you back in 2009 and, and you expressed that ambivalence. I mean, where, where are you at now? Now, now that this has gone, you know, you're in year 14 here. Um, how are you feeling? I'm glad I have a chance to set the record straight here, Rodney. Uh, <laughs> um, because I, you know, that, that article came out and immediately I got a call from Robbie Dupree. Uh, for those of you who don't remember, Robbie Dupree sang Steal Away, Big Hit. And he was like, hey, man, why are you always trying to sink your own ship? Why are you always going to say bad stuff about Japan? And I was like, dude, that was what I said in 2009. You know, I don't feel that way. We've talked about this a thousand times. But yeah, when, I mean, when we started, I was very much like angsty, too cool for school uh, lead singer of a yacht rock band. Right. Like I thought I was <laughs> I thought I was above doing that and that like my poetry was going to change the world and like over you know i've gotten older and certainly more jaded thanks to monkey boy um but also i've just <laughs> i am that to, little pill that he everyone needs to take every once in a while <laughs> i mean i've come to appreciate like what music is really about is connecting people it's not about like the words or the accuracy or the you know it, it is art and that part of it is important but what it's really about is making people feel good like both on stage and off stage and that part of our band is it's so rewarding and i love it i love i love being in our band now i have That's no crazy. i have zero beef with being in our band awesome for me i don't think there's another i don't think there's another band in the world that we could be this diverse where we can go and do you know we can play we can still go do a beatles show and have it well attended we can do a pink floyd show have it well intended and still uh, it be very musically challenging. It's not like we're up there just playing three, which and I love the Ramones. I love bands like that, but it's never boring. Um, maybe the travel sometimes itself, it can be a little, re can be a little uh, redundant, but, um, but the music itself, it never gets boring. Well, thank you, Monkey Boy. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Mark Cobb. Um, You're welcome. You know, it's, uh, it's an amazing story and there's still more story to tell. And uh, I know you guys have had like, a documentary crew follow you around over the years. Maybe that documentary will finally uh, come to pass at some point as well. Don't uh, count on it. 
Ah. Yeah. <laughs> There's all sorts of footage. It's like lost footage, like the uh, Get Back documentary with uh, with the. It's going to be like plus. heavy metal parking lot where it will surface <laughs> one day and 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 have a cult like status. I hope so. I hope so. Well, well thanks, guys. Uh, good luck. And uh, yeah, this is Rodney Howe with you, man, from the Constitution. The AJC brings you the best of what's happening in and around Atlanta on AJC.com, along with deeper looks at trends in arts and entertainment and compelling looks at lost bits of history. Here's a taste of what you'll find there. What a long, strange trip it's been. But after two years of fear and uncertainty, the fall arts season appears to be back full steam ahead once again. Virtual events finally have receded into the background, making way for live, in-person shows in theaters, on stages, and in galleries across the city. In this week's Living in Arts section, we'll take a look at the fall arts and entertainment season and shine a spotlight on 12 events AJC arts writers are eager to see. But we'll also take an individual look at what to expect in theater, pop music, classical music, dance, and visual arts. Get all the details in this week's Living in Arts section in the Sunday Atlanta Journal-Constitution on August 28th, or find it online at AJC.com and in the Sunday e-paper. The sizable assembly studios in Doraville that used to be a General Motors auto plant is starting to take shape on 43 acres. Atlanta-based Bray Television, one of the largest owners of broadcast TV stations in the nation, purchased the property last year and in May began building the first of what will be at least 20 sound stages. By the time it is set to open in June of 2023, Assembly will be one of the largest studios in Metro Atlanta. The AJC's Rodney Ho recently got a tour of the site and he'll tell you what he saw in a story you'll find online at AJC.com. If you're listening to this podcast on AJC.com, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you'll never miss an episode, and you'll be among the first to hear our new format when we relaunch in late summer. For more things to do in and around Atlanta, go to AJC.com. The podcast is edited by Tyson Horn, the theme music is by Bo Emerson and Billy Guin, and I'm your host and the AJC's Arts and Entertainment Editor, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more great interviews and events. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.